Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Well, all right. I like to start each morning with a quote. This quote is in your bulletins. It says, We either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. Can anybody agree that many, many times, or we spend a lot of time the reason that we're miserable is because we spend a lot of time making ourselves miserable. Amen? And if we took that same energy to make, from making ourselves miserable, we'd make ourselves strong and it wouldn't take any more energy. Do, do you understand that? Really what it is is a shift in thinking. It's a shift in mentality. Amen? All right, one more quote. This is from an old president. He says, what, what counts is not necessarily the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. All the little dogs go, whoo, come on. It's, what matters is the size of the fight in the dog, amen? Oh, y'all, don't get it. y'all get it later. Well, all right, four out of five people choose the common and get natural results. One out of five choose Christ and get supernatural results. Where are my one fivers at? Visitors, relax. If you're visiting for the first time, you're in a safe place. You just happen to have walked in on a revolution. Amen? See, revolution, let me give you a definition. Revolution, and, and, and let me say this first. Revolution must come before revival. Or revival will not last. Anybody tired of hearing this little revival springing up someplace and this little revival springing up someplace and then, and then it just being criticized to death until it's shut down? Because revolution has to come first before a revival. Can, can you get that in your minds? Let me give you a definition of revolution. Revolution is a forcible, say forcible. I like that because that's just strong. For too long the world sees Christians as weak. And we're not weak. We're not weak. Amen? I mean, you sound weak, but we're not weak. Revolution is a forcible overthrow of a government or a social order in favor of a new system. How many are tired of the old church system? I'm tired of the old way. I'm tired of the legalism of the, of the, of the you know, everything. Holy. No, I'm tired of that. And so, so revolution is, is an overthrow of a social order in, in favor of a new system. Second definition for revolution is, is a, a motion in a circular path. Right? Isn't that a revolution? A revolution is a motion in a circular path. See, you aren't part of the revolution unless in your life you're turning things around. Amen? 
You're not part of the revolution. This past week, since last week's message, I've been telling people and going up to people, say, you're not a one-fiver. One-fiver don't throw up their hands and get all gangster. That's not what it's about. Right? One-fiver is about somebody that's in revolution. That means I'm turning. I'm always moving in a, in a circular motion because everything that I'm used to, everything that's common, everything that I used to do, I'm turning it around. I'm turning it around. Then you're a one-fiver. Amen? This ain't one of them little weak gangs from the West Coast or the East Coast or the Midwest that anybody could be a part of. You just got to wear a bandana. Amen? This ain't one of those, just go cut somebody and you could be down. Just let me beat you up for five minutes and you could be down. No. This is, I'm laying down my life to serve God. That's true. That's real commitment. Amen? That's a one-five. Unless you're ready to do that, don't do this. Don't buy the t-shirt. Don't get the song. Amen? Don't get the bandana. Don't rock the colors. Don't wear our beads. Don't misrepresent what's going on in this church and it's going to sweep throughout the Bronx. Don't misrepresent it. Amen? Don't make it something that it's not. Is, is that all right for me to tell you? All right. Let's move on. All right. Well, we we started a series kind of, we've been talking about the life of Elijah and we've been going kind of following along each week through first and second Kings. And that's how we arrived at this one five revolution, because we were talking about King Ahab and we were talking about his son Ahaziah. And then we were talking about the three captains that the military captains that the son sent out and see the first four. The first four did the common thing and got the same results. The last, as a matter of fact, all four died with nothing accomplished. The last guy, the last captain, he chose Christ. He chose a different way. He chose to do, he, he, he succeeded where everyone else died trying to do. Amen? And that's who we are. So, so that's where this came from. That last captain, he humbled himself before God and before Elijah's God. And before Elijah, who was God's man on the scene, and he got supernatural results. He did what the other two before him died trying to do. Well, and then last week we spoke about Daniel, and, and Daniel had with him three young people. That's four. And that's somehow the, just the numbers all start working out. There's four young people in that story, and we, and we, and we read last week just about how, how those, those four guys went against the crowd. They refused the common. Four guys, three of which with ended up in the fire, being thrown in a fire. For us, that could be being locked up, being thrown in solitary, being up in the pen. They, they were just thrown in the heat of, of things, and God delivered them from that. Amen? So, now let me show you what happens next in our series. If we keep reading along chapter by chapter, which I intend to do, and because I love being able to go through the word with you like that, because I love knowing what I have to read next week. I love knowing what I have to preach on next week. I love the fact that some of you tell me, man, you know what? I, I, I got into that story you were sharing and I started reading. It, it's, it, it's almost like they're surprised it's really there. I actually get that response from, from a lot of people. Like, like it's, I say, oh, it's really? Daniel's really in the Bible? Really? You thought I made it up, maybe? I mean... You should have run if you think I'm making things up. But, but I'm excited, you know, when you guys tell me, I, I, I know what we're talking about, so I'm reading and I check the story and it's awesome. Because when you read the story, God will give you even something different. Amen? Never contradicting, but something more. Something more. 
Because you read it and you're showing God, God, I want more of you. I want more than just the, the little bites that we're getting on Sunday. I need more. I can't live on that. Amen? See, if it, on Sunday, this is like an appetizer for, for, for us. On Sunday, this should just be something to open up the, the appetite for a meal. But, but too many people make this a meal. And this is your meal. And, and if that's the case, you're spiritually anorexic. You're spiritually bulimic. You're spiritually too skinny. Amen? You're walking around like supermodels all the rest of the week. You are too skinny to even stand. You're too skinny to, to hold anything. You're too skinny to carry any weight. You're too skinny to have any power, to have any strength. If this is your only meal, okay? Amen? So I'm going to just keep doing that and we're going to go through. And it helps me also because I, I'm just preaching what's coming next, right? And so I can't be accused of, of putting together a whole message to, to, uh, to um, you know, convict you of something that you're doing. Because people actually believe that, right? And, and so if I'm just reading things. If this is what comes up and if this is what deals with you, handle it. Amen? Grow over it. Amen? Deal with it. Be mature enough to take it. If, if this is what comes up, know that, that your aunt or your mother or your cousin didn't call me and tell me, you know, listen, this is, we need to set this up on Sunday. I need you to talk about this because my husband is doing this. And so if you really deal with it from the pulpit and talk about this this way, then maybe my husband will stop. Right? We don't do that. Amen? So what comes up is for you. If you're sitting there feeling like you're the only one in church today, like, this is probably for nobody here. And you're even scared to look to the side or the right because you feel like everybody's looking at you. Anybody ever had that feeling? I, I sit through messages. I, I get that too. It's all right. Right? You sit there and you don't even want to look to the side because you know that you're glowing red. And that everybody's like... And like, like, you know, there's 100, 200 people in here and everybody knows that it's you in the fifth seat with the Yankee hat on, you know? And you're like, oh, God. But it's not. It's just what comes up. Amen? If it offends you, grow up. If it, if, if it, if it bothers you, if it, if it you know, ruffles your feathers, handle it. Learn from it. Grow through it. Church is not a daycare. Amen? Woo! Nursery is to the left. If you want to be bottle fed or something over there, just take it out of the sanctuary. This ain't the place for it. Well, all right. 2 Kings chapter 2. Check, 2 Kings chapter 2 is so powerful man it, it is what what's going to happen now is so awesome and i love the way that it is so relevant i'm going to show you how relevant it is for your life today amen you guys excited all right let me show you in second kings chapter 2 it says when the lord was about to take elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind elisha and elijah were going from gilgal so they were walking and it says when the lord was about to take elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind Elijah and Elisha were walking. <clears throat> Let me backtrack real quick. Elijah was sent by God to go and call Elisha into the ministry. Okay, so, so this was uh, something that happened earlier in our series. Elijah was sent by God to go put his cloak over Elisha and tell him, follow me now, I'm going to mentor you, I'm going to train you, I'm going to disciple you. And what's happening here is this is towards the end of that training, Okay. So we know where we're at. So in, in that day, when, when somebody was a mentor or a trainee, the person underneath them was called a servant. Isn't that a humbling thing? They were called a servant. That means they followed them everywhere. They were everywhere. They did everything they need. You need water, sir? I'll get you water. See, we have, a, a, you know, we have that offends some of us. 
You know, because, yo, 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 they ain't, we ain't about no slavery, you know. We, no, but, but see, that, that's a humbling saying. I'm coming underneath your leadership, and I'm coming underneath to serve you that I, that I may serve God. Amen? So it's not about men, it's always about God. But, but there's a humbleness in us that we need to do as we come under, under leadership and learn. Is that all right to say? Too bad, because it is. So now, Elijah was walking with, uh, with, with his trainee, and, and he's about to be taken up into heaven. See, Elijah was one out of two men in the Bible that did not die. They were just taken to heaven. You want to talk about revolution? How do you live a lifestyle that God says, um, I'm just going to take you? Isn't that crazy, Diana? Like, get, what kind of lifestyle is that? What kind of, and we've read everything Elijah's gone through, so we know his life hasn't been pretty. Right? We know his life has been rough. He's had to endure. He's had to be persecuted. He's had to run. He's had to hide. And then he's had to stand and fight. And he's had to stand in front of 450. How many of you bold enough to stand before 450 priests of another religion? Amen. There's two of you raising your hands. Good. Be careful. You might be tested this week. You want to play? You'll be tested this week. I pray that you would endure. So it, it tells us, so he was, he was taken up. So anyway, the scriptures lead us to believe that Elijah knew that God was about to take him to heaven. And as we continue to read on, we see that Elisha knew that God was about to take Elijah up to heaven. And as we read on, we find out that there was school of prophets in every city of which Elijah was probably teaching, you know, and mentoring them and visiting them. And we find out as we read on that the school of prophets also knew that God was about to take Elijah up to heaven. And they should know because they're prophets, right? Like a prophet should know what God is doing. See, a prophet hears from God. Not to be confused with a psychic who supposedly hears from the dead. Okay? A prophet hears from God. Psychics hear from the dead. They get direction from dead people. Now, I don't know how tight your science game is, but... Dead people don't talk. You ever talk to a dead person? If he talks back, he's not dead. He's not dead. You don't need CSI, you don't need a degree in medicine. If the dead person talks back, he's not dead. Okay? Cool? Some of you might have cut that class. See, so we can't talk to dead people. Dead people don't talk to us. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but if, if a dead person were able to talk to me, I, I don't know that I would ask them, you know, is grandma okay? Am I going to be rich? Is my dog with Titi? What's her name? My, my first question, honestly, if I would be able to talk to a dead person, I would say, where are you? And then if, if, if they tell me I'm in heaven then I'm going to look back on their life and see how they live their life so that I could end up there too. Amen? If they tell me they're not in heaven, I'm going to say the person you're trying to reach is no longer found at this number. Amen? I, I don't have anything to say to you. I don't want to hear anything from you. I don't want to have... Don't give anybody there my number. I don't accept calls from unlisted numbers. Amen? All right. Seriously, the only person I need to hear from in the spiritual realm is God. If you're listening to any other voice in the spiritual, listen to what you're doing. You're Because people do this all the time. 
they, they listen to, to, to saints, to, to santos, to this, to that. There's a million other things that we listen to, to psychics, to all of this. And, and, what we're, and those people say they don't believe in God. What we're doing by, by listening to any other voice in the spiritual is acknowledging that there is a God because there is a spiritual. Right? Because why would they, there be a spiritual if there were no God? If there were no spiritual, there'd be no God, and so you're fooling yourself anyway, right? So what you're doing by listening to something in the spiritual is acknowledging that there is a God, but going around Him. Did we read in Ahab how angry God gets about that? Did we read in, 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 in Kings and all that? And can you read throughout the whole Old Testament and New Testament how angry God gets when we don't go to, to right to the source to, to get direction, when we go around Him, right? See, I don't, you don't need, when you have a problem in a store, do you want to speak to the guy behind the counter that's making four fifty an hour? Or do you say, I need to speak to your manager? When you have a problem with a company, I need to speak to the owner. I need to speak to the person that runs things here. Because see, I need to speak to the person that has authority to do something. Amen? See, when we, when we go around, we, we, we're speaking to people that have no authority. We're, we're speaking in the spirit to spirits that have no authority. I don't need to, to, to tell you something so you could tell you something so you could tell you something so you could tell God. By the time it comes back to me, I said I needed a check and I get a cow. You know, when you play that telephone game. And you say, you have a cow all of a sudden in the Bronx. You're like, but why do I have a cow? Because by the time your message got to God, it got, it got misconstrued. You know, that's not going to happen, but you understand what I'm saying, right? I need to speak directly to the source, directly to the one that has authority to make something happen. Okay, so we read in 2 Kings how Elijah knew where he was going, Elisha already knew where he was going, and all of the prophets in the school of prophets already knew where he was going. What's that got to do with us? Make a note. God doesn't want us guessing where we're going. Thank you, Dad. God has made it clear to us in His Word and throughout the Word that the wages of sin is death. We're all going to die, but the way we live determines where we'll go. There's no mystery about that. There's no guesswork about that. I hate speaking to Christians that tell me, I don't know, praise God, hopefully I'll go to heaven. You're lost. If you don't know that, you, you don't have a real faith. You're not really banking on anything. You really haven't trusted God. You haven't depended on God if you don't know where you're going. That's not obnoxious. That's not uh, being presumptuous. That's not being prideful. That's saying, God, you gave me a promise. I believe it. That's where I'm going. Amen? If you said, if I do this, I'm there. So I'm doing this, so I'm trusting I'm there. Otherwise, I don't really trust you. Amen? So, so, see, they, they knew it. The, you know, the way we determine, there's no mystery about it. There's no guesswork. Elijah knew it. Elisha knew it. The company of prophets knew it. And what God is telling us with that is that if you are a seeker of God, then you follow Him. If you follow Him, then you'll find Him. If you find Him, then you live and breathe and have your joy in Him forever. Forever. What does forever mean? Until you die? Forever. What does forever mean? Forever, right? It comes from a Hebrew Greek meaning forever. It comes from Aramaic meaning forever. It means Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 2. Listen to what happens. This is so cool. 
Elijah tells Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not stay here. I'm going with you. And so they went. Company of prophets there in Bethel tell Elisha, do you know that God's going to take your master from you today? Elisha says, yes, I know. I don't want to talk about it. Verse 4, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has called me to Jericho. And Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm going with you. Amen? And so they go to Jericho. The company of prophets at Jericho tell Elisha, do you know that the Lord your God is going to take your master today? Elijah said, I know, I've heard it. I know, I don't want to talk about it. Verse 6. Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has called me to Jordan. And Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives, as you live, I will not leave you. And so they go to the Jordan. Does anyone get the idea that there is some testing going on here? Do you, do, do you see, if, if Elijah really didn't want Elisha to go with him, there would have been more of an argument, right? There would have been, no. If, if it was something that it was from God and he wanted him to stay, that he needed to stay here, he, he would have argued the fact. He would have been firm about it and said, no, Diana, you have to stay here. But, but what he said was, God has called me to Bethel. I'm going to Bethel. Stay here. There's testing. See, who, whoever understand that as, as him being the master and him being the servant, he had to go wherever he was going. But see, I believe what, what Elijah was saying... <coughs> Wait, let me, let me, before I get ahead of myself, I'm sorry. He's training him to walk in his footsteps and to eventually take over when he's done, right? That's the master-servant relationship. He's training him. He's leading him. And, and so there's a mentor and a mentee. Amen? Now, uh, let me just stop to give you a little reality check. Are you a mentor or are you a mentee? Who are you following? Who are you getting training from? And who is following you and who is getting trained by you? This is so important. I learned this really early in ministry. Every man, and when I say man, I mean everyone. The Bible says man, it's man and woman. Okay? So every man should have three men in their lives. This is, I learned this really early in ministry and, it, and, it, and it's blessed me. Listen, we should all have someone who's more experienced than us leading us. We should all have someone who's been there before us leading us, helping us, and, and encouraging us, and teaching us. We all need that. If we don't have that, we ain't going nowhere. Secondly, the second man in your life, you should all, we should all have someone that's less experienced than us. That we're teaching. That everything I learn, I'm teaching. That everything, everything I get, I'm giving some. That, that, that everywhere I go, as I follow this leader, this person is following me. As we follow that leader, who that leader follows God, it's a beautiful chain, isn't it? That's the only parade I ever want to be a part of. See, we, we all need that. Who's the third person in your life? You need a third person in your life. Everyone needs this man in their life who will stand with them. It's a peer. They're on the same level. But this guy's going to tell them when he's full of it. Amen? This guy's right on your level. He's going to tell you, bro, you are faking the funk. You, what, what is this? You are so full of it. When, when I hear you on the job, 
You, what's all this prayer, 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 crying thing on Sunday when I hear you on the job effing this and effing that and cursing this and cursing that? What is, and, and listen, the teenagers, come on. I hate, I, that's one of my huge pet peeves. I hate to see you act one way here and act one way right outside the door. I mean like right outside the door, not even, you ain't even leave the block yet. You're in the store cursing your heads off. In here, talking about one five one. You're not a one five. You're a wannabe. Amen. So, so we all need somebody that's going to lead us somewhere. We're going to pour into, and one person that's telling us if we're real or not. Amen. If if you look at the fountain that's in our lobby, that fountain that's in the foyer, it's a picture, man. You want to be the one, one of those in the middle. You want to be one of those that somebody's pouring into. And then out of the overflow, you're pouring into somebody else. And then, and then you want to have that third person that stands in front of the fountain and says, that mixture is running a little lean. There's, there, there's not, there, you, you're, not giving, you're, you're not getting anything because you're not giving anything. You notice that might not sound mathematically correct. But you ain't getting nothing because you ain't giving nothing. Do you understand that you have to give before you get? And this ain't the whole teaching on money and I'm not going to take an offering, so relax. Let loose the wallets. Don't tighten up your pants. It's all right. No offering. Ushers are not going to come forward. But you need to hear this. Because a lot of you don't give because you don't get. But you will never... Listen to this quote. If you don't learn to give before you get, you will never get what you won't give. That should be in a book someplace. If you don't learn to give before you get, you will never get what you won't give. Is it biblical? Or did I make it up? Yes, the word says to those who are faithful with little, much will be entrusted unto them. In Luke, Jesus flips it a different way. He says, to whom much is given, much is expected. Right? Think about that next time you come to worship and giving to God this whole list of everything you want. Can, then I thank God that he won't stop worship and come down in your face and say, what have you given? What have you done with what I've given you? You're just lucky I'm not God. Amen? Because I'd be in your face. What? what? What do you want? Everything I give you, you waste. Everything I give you, you do nothing with. When was the last time you planted a seed into the kingdom of God? When was the last time you made us a, 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 an inside face when the offering came around? When was the last time that you, that you heard there was a need and God was telling you, but to, to, he was stirring something in your heart and you pretended it was, you took a Tums and pretended it was, it was acid. That's reflux. Surely the Lord does not want me to give to that air conditioning project. Surely. But you're the first one that complains when it's too hot in church. So who's supposed to pay for it? Me? A whole, that's a whole nother message. So the, 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 the training that, that Elijah is giving to Elisha here, man, is something for us to read and study and apply to our lives today. Watch this. God called Elijah to Bethel. You don't think that was in there for no reason, right? God called Elijah to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. So God called Elijah. Historically, Bethel is the place where Jacob met God. Symbolically, it's, uh, um, 
Bethel is the place where we encounter God. So God, God calls Elijah to Bethel. God calls Elijah to an encounter with him. God calls Elijah to the house of God. Are, are, are you getting this? God called Elijah to Bethel. Elijah tells Elijah, you can stay here. I'm going to Bethel. I'm going to the house of God. I'm going to the place of encounter with God. You can stay here. Because see, up to this time, remember, he had to follow him everywhere. And so I believe what Elijah was doing, he was saying, you don't have to go to Bethel because I'm going. You've got to want to go to Bethel. I hope I had at least one. Hmm. But that's good revelation. You've got to catch this. See, you, you have to want to have an encounter with God. You have to go on your own. If you won't go on your own, no one can take you or force you to have an encounter with God. Can, can, can we, let's, let's pause on this for a minute. Parents, leaders, as, as, as a pastor, I wish that I could bring each and every one of you kicking, screaming, dragging, whining, complaining, and force you to have an encounter with God. Because I know that in that encounter with God, you'll be changed. But I can't force it. I can't force you to have an encounter with God. You have to want to have an encounter with God. Now, don't get me wrong. As a parent, you could and should insist that your kids come to church. You could and should and, and should insist that your, that, that, that your kids are, are, are part. Listen, I have teenagers. If my teenagers came to me and said, I'm 16, y'all, I ain't going to church no more. I'm 18, I ain't going to church no more. My next question would be, well, where are you going to live? Because my house will go to church. Amen? Simple. See how easy that was? My next question is, okay, so since you have it all figured out, where are you going to live? Because my house is going to go to church. Amen? But I can't force them to have an encounter with God. I can only force them into the place of encounter with God. And pray that God would have an encounter with them there. Amen? God could do it anywhere. He don't have to do it here. But I'm going to follow what I know to do is right. Amen? So... Elijah says to Elisha, you can stay, but Elisha says, I'm going. You can't keep me from going. That's the attitude of a one-fiver. I don't have to go, I get to go. I don't care if the crowd isn't going. I don't care if the crowd is still asleep Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. I'm going to be up. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be there early because I just want to sit in his presence. I'm going to be there early because maybe I need to hear from somebody or maybe I need to talk to somebody. I'm going to be there early. That's a one-fiver. Amen? Next, God calls Elijah to Jericho. Jericho represents a place of victory. Jericho, historically, is the city that God um, said he would deliver to Joshua and to his people. It was the promised land. It was a fortified city, which, which means it had a wall surrounding it. It means it, it, was, it was protected. And, and there was a strong army protecting it. A fortified city had walls around it with watchmen and with guards. And, and you don't attack a fortified city unless you have a tremendous army of which the people of God did not. And so God tells them, you know, in Jericho, you can imagine, God tells them, here's what I need you to go. Get up to Jericho. 
Let the armed guards and, and the worshipers, armed guards and worshipers, soldiers and worshipers, and let them get to Jericho and let them circle the city once for six days. And then on the seventh day, let them circle the city seven times. And then once they've circled the city seven times, let the, the worshipers ring their horns. And then when everybody hears the horns, let them shout and watch what's going to happen. And I'm going to give you the land. How many of you know that's not a really good military strategy? I don't see Colin Powell or any of those guys saying, let's just go march around the country, right? Once every day, and then on the seventh day, we'll march around the seven times, we'll blow our horns and we'll yell and be shot and be blown up, right? Because imagine, they see you walking, they know exactly when you're going to get to what point. They'll just be like waiting there. Dropping you off one by one as you... It's not a smart military strategy. But when God tells you to do something, it, it doesn't matter what the crowd says. It doesn't matter what the common says is the right way. It doesn't matter. God says, this is how you do it. That's how you get victory. Amen? And so they did it. And so Jer Jericho, in, in that battle, they had to learn how to pray, how to trust, how to believe that God would somehow do the impossible. Does that sound familiar this morning? They, and they did it. And what happened was on the seventh day, they circled it. They blew the horns. The people shouted. And the word says the walls fell flat. The walls, fortified walls, fell flat. What else does the word say? It says that every man just marched in and took what they wanted. Is that authority? Is that boldness? See, that's a one-fiver. That's, that's the attitude of a one-fiver. I'll do what God tells me to do because I know the promise is real. I know the promise is real. And so, so, so um, Jericho represents a place of total dependence on God. Elijah says, you don't have to come with me. You have permission to stay here. I won't force you to come. Why? Because you can't force someone to trust in God. You can't force somebody to trust in God. I, you, you, no matter what happens, no matter what you tell them, you can't force somebody. You can't make someone go to their Jericho. You can't force someone to trust God in an impossible situation. You can't make someone trust God enough to depend on Him. Elijah says, you can stay here. But Elijah says, I won't get left behind. Elijah says, as surely as God lives and as you live, I'm following you. Elijah says this, you don't have to make me depend on God, I already do. You don't have to make me depend on God. I already trust Him with my life. I've come too far to stop here and wait. I've come too far to be left behind. Whatever it is, whatever it takes, I'm trusting God. You cannot keep me from going. That's the attitude of a one-fiver. Amen? I don't have to go. I get to go. I don't care where the crowd says and where the crowd is going. I'm going where God wants me to go. Finally, God calls Elijah to Jordan. Jordan symbolizes coming into the place of God's promise. See, when, when God's people were delivered out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, they had to cross over into the lands by the Jordan. They had to leave Egypt. They had to cross over into the Jordan. It, crossing into the Jordan is about leaving a lifestyle of sin. Going out of Egypt... It's about leaving bondage. It's about leaving slavery. See, the word Jordan means descend. 
Going into the Jordan is about dying to your old way of life. It's about coming out of the Jordan. It's about resurrection power. See, you can't live for Christ until you've died to your old ways. Anybody amen that? So Elijah says, you can stay. But Elijah says, I'm going all the way. I don't have to go. I get to go. If that's what I have to do to get closer to God, then no crowd is going to keep me from going. Say amen. Listen, listen. Elisha, like every one of us today, needs to go to our Bethel. He had to go. Elisha, like every one of us today, has to go to that place. We got to get to the house of God. We got to get to the place where God would meet us. He, he needed to have his own encounter with God. He's been walking behind Elijah, walking behind a parent. We've been walking behind a grandma, walking behind a grandpa. We've been following a pastor, following a church, and that's a great place to be, but your own encounter has to come. Your own experience with God has to come. Somebody else's experience is not enough for you. When things get hard, and they will, because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not because I've overcome the world. The second part of that verse don't matter to you unless you've had an encounter with God. Listen to me, I'm I'm closing with this, but you really need to, to get this. Your own experience must come. You need an encounter with God. If that's you today, if you're if you're saying, I want that, man, would you would you stand for God right now? You're saying, God, I want an encounter with you. I want my, I've heard of this thing, man. I've seen God do things. I've, I've, I've seen some incredible things. I've, I've heard stories of it passed down through my family, passed down through the church. I've heard testimony. But God, I need an encounter with you. If you're standing, you're saying, God, I need that encounter with you. Let's just bow our heads for a second. Elisha, like every one of us has have to or, or, or need to get to our Jericho. We need to get to the place where we know the situation ahead is impossible. We need to get to the place where we know there is no way in our own strength that we can overcome this. For some of us today, it could be a marriage. It could be a relationship. It could be a financial situation. God is bringing us to this Jericho, to this place where we have to have total dependence on God. I'm willing to bet that many of us have been on the road to Jericho for a long time, but we've resisted it. We, We talk ourselves out of it. We've rationalized. We've tried to explain how and why we don't need to go there. We can handle it without God. But if that's you, and you say, I'm, 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 I'm tired of trying to battle this thing on my own. I'm, try, I'm tired of trying to make this thing work, trying to make it happen in my own strength. God, I'm, I'm going to depend on you. Would you take a stand and join those that are already standing? Would you say, God, I'm, I'm going to take a stand. I, I just need to learn how to be total, totally dependent on you. See, some of you have been walking around your situation more than seven times a day. And you've gone around it and you're trying to figure out how you can possibly overcome it. But if you would release it today and put it in his hands, God wants to give you victory. Jericho is the place of victory. God wants you to experience victory today. Victory, listen to this, victory is when all the walls come down. 
Victory is when all the walls come down. Most of us are already standing, but really think about that. If there, if there a reason why you're not standing, is, is there, are there some walls around some situations in your life that you're not ready to give up, that you're not ready to let go of? Victory is when all the walls come down. And lastly, Elijah, like every one of us had to or still needs to go to our Jordan. We need to get to the place of God's promise. In order, that we, that we, in order to do that, we need to leave Egypt. We need to turn from our old way of living. We need to stop doing the same things and expecting different results. Now remember, after the Israelites were delivered from slavery and bondage, every time things got hard, they wished they were back in bondage. And we do that today. It's like that person who quits smoking because they realize it's killing them physically and socially and financially now. But, but, and, and, and when they get out from under it, but as soon as they get out from under that bondage of, of addiction, as soon as things get hard, something happens. They go right back into bondage because they find comfort in the slavery. Family, to be in revolution, you got to be turning things around. If that's you and you're willing to say, God, I'm coming to my Jordan. I'm dying. I'm turning from my old way of living. I'm turning from that way. God, I, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to depend on you. And I need victory to you today. Would you just stand with those that are already standing? To be in revolution, you have to be turning things around in your life. I'm going to ask Gary to come and pray for you, but before... Before he does that, come now, Gary. Before he does that, I want to welcome you all that are standing to the One Five Revolution. I want you to know that that standing today says, God, I'm willing to have an encounter with you. I not only willing, I want it. And the one five revolution says, God, I'm willing to totally depend. I've come into my Jericho, to my place of total dependence on you, God. I'm trusting you. And I'm coming to my Jordan, man, maybe even all in the same day. I don't know how we can visit all three places in the same day, but in the spirit we can do it. I'm coming to the place where I'm turning my life around. I'm turning from the old ways. I'm leaving Egypt. I'm coming into victory. I'm coming into my promised land. You are a one-fiver. Amen? Go ahead, Gary. Father, we just thank you today, oh God. Thank you, Lord God, that, that you don't leave us in bondage. You don't leave us in Egypt. You don't leave us to die in our sins, Lord God. But you have a plan for us, Lord God. You have plans, oh God, to bless us, to prosper us. You have plans of victory. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, I, I just release right now over your people. I release victory. We de I decree right now that the walls of Jericho are falling down. You know how they fell down? They fell down with a shout. How many of you are willing to shout down the walls right now? How many of you right now, you're saying, there's things in my way. There, there's walls of lack. There's walls of abuse. There's walls of depression. There's walls of rejection. Walls of fear. How, how many of you right now are willing to shout it down by faith? 
See, it's not just about your voice, but it's it's about the faith that it takes to begin to shout out and begin to and begin to command those walls to come down. But we want to do that in your life right now. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I command, I command every wall to fall, the walls of injustice. I command walls of depression, walls of lack, walls of addiction, walls of poverty, walls of anger. I command them, and in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we shall, come on, shout Yes, hallelujah. We shall. Lord, we just take authority right now, Lord Jesus. Right now, Lord Jesus. In your holy name, on, Lord Jesus. Come on, come on. You've given us a spirit, yes, Lord, Lord, of boldness, not yes, of fear. Lord. Yes. We're not scared, Lord Jesus. Yes, we Lord. just uh, 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 shout this before your presence, come Lord. On, come on, So that everyone may know, Lord, that you are the true God, Lord yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. You are the true God. You save. Lord, you save us, oh Lord. You brought us Lord from the Jesus, pit oh Lord Jesus, Jesus. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, Lord you change our lives come around on, Lord come Jesus on, come there's on. no doubt about it Lord Jesus come on, and Lord we just shout, shout before you Lord the walls shout it will down. fall shout down. Down. Shout down in the name down. of Jesus shout it down shout come on shout tear it down tear them down every wall every wall they're coming down nothing can hold you back nothing's gonna stand in your way Father, we thank you, Lord God. You see, you know what Joshua said just before the walls came down? He said, rejoice because the Lord has given you this city. How many of you want to take ground? How many of you want your neighborhood? You want that job? You, you want to bring the kingdom of God with you? Well, begin to rejoice because God is giving it to you. I hear him saying right now, if you'll take it, if you'll receive it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, yes, we Lord. thank you, Lord God. We bless you today, and we take that ground. We take this city. We take the neighborhood. Father, we give you every family, every workplace right now. We take it for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the Jordan. You see, as Pastor George said, the other part was fun. It's fun to command the walls down and have victory and just march in and take everybody's stuff and walk off. But symbolically, the Jordan River is a place of death. That's why... John the Baptist, he baptized in the Jordan River because going down under the water, it symbolizes death. When the Israelites crossed over, yes. it symbolized going from death into new life, into resurrection power. How many of you want the resurrection power of God working on, in your come life? On, come on, come on. Yes, How many of you saying? I want the fiery power and presence of God to resurrect everything that's dead in my life, dead in my family, dead in my finances. How many of you want that resurrection power? Well, then I got to ask you a question right now. 
Come right on. here and right now, how many of you are willing today? You see that one five thing, that one person that rejects, that rejects the sinful, that rejects yes. following yes. the crowd. It's going to take death. I'm not talking about physical death. It means dying to everything in your life that's not God. It means dying for the approval of your friends. Because some people are going to laugh at you. There are people that are not going to like you. Oh, you're one of those crazy Christians. You see, when I became a Christian, they invited everyone in my job to parties except me. I had to die. How many of you today, and, and please don't do it if you're not serious. Come on. Because I don't want you to have to go through things unnecessarily. So if you're not serious right now, don't respond. But if you're saying today, I'm, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to die to the things of this world. I'm, I'm willing to die to the profanity. I'm willing to die to lust. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. But I want the power of God. I want the yes. promises yes. of God. Yes. And, and whatever yes. it costs me, I'm willing to pay it. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now before God. And as we worship this song, I'm going to ask you to come up here and join me come right on, now on. as a sign. Right come here, on. if your hand is up, I'm going to ask you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to speak. But I'm just going to ask you to come and stand with us right now. See, this is a sign to God. This is a sign to the enemy. You're saying, God, I'm serious with you. Whatever it takes, whatever the price, whatever the cost, God, I'm willing, I'm willing to lay it all down. Do you want the victory? Do you want the promises? Do you want the power? Do you want the fulfillment? Do you want the fire of God? I believe all those who come up here right now, you're going to begin to see a difference going to begin to break off. Things are going to begin to change in your life. I believe there's going to be testimonies even for next Sunday from this sermon. Because you're willing to go through the Jordan. You're willing to go through the place of death into resurrection and fire. So let's just worship God right now. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.